All right. Thank you, Kelly Robinson, very, very much. And good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful day in most of the state. I looked at the Weather Channel this morning because I wanted to see what Boston was going through and, and uh, the East Coast. Oh, makes you want to stay indoors. And then you realize, oh, that's Boston. That's almost 2,000 miles away. That's not here. It's a nice day. Welcome. We're glad to have you tuned to the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour right here on your affiliate station. We broadcast to about 30, 33 stations. Last time I counted, and, and we're happy to have you listening. We broadcast all the way from, uh, from Amarillo to Victoria, Corpus Christi, all the way from Alpine to Crockett. And if you, if you draw those coordinates on your map, you'll see that's most of Texas. That's a lot of the state. And uh, that encompasses a lot of different climatic zones, lots of different soils, and, and last frost uh, dates in the spring and just a lot of things in fact i think if you look at your weather map this coming wednesday night thursday night and friday night are going to be really cold in much of the state so we can talk about that we can talk about what you need to be getting ready for for spring whatever it is we are live here the last uh, saturday in january january 29 to be per- precise double check that yeah and the reason i want to be precise is because i'm about to wish a happy birthday to a second birthday. She won't listen to this, won't hear it, can't hear it. She's in a park right now at her birthday party uh, to our great-granddaughter, Jackie. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. And my wife and I are missing that party because there are just too many people there, and uh, we are among the believers that this uh, virus is pretty contagious, and uh, we're just kind of protecting ourselves uh, after a few days, and we're sure that Jackie is fine, we'll, we'll have a private little party with her grandmother, our daughter, and, uh, and uh, a few of our side of the family. There are going to be way too many people, even if it's in a park, and just too many people. And you can't get that close to Jackie and not pick her up and give her a big hug. So, fun time. Anyway, welcome, and we are here to talk about gardening. I, I'd talk more about Jackie, but I can't show you the 5,000 photos I want to. So, anyway, uh, do call 888-256-1080. First voice you'll hear will be Jared Taylor. He screens the calls and and uh, then gets you ready to go on the air with me. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Uh, this is a time of transition. There are a lot of things that you need to do in the winter, and uh, they need to be finished up very soon. This is a weekend you could get them done. Uh, next week may not be the week you want to get them done if it's going to be that cold. And, uh, but very soon thereafter, you're going to get into the, into the very early spring things that can't wait. And so you really need to mind your P's and Q's and get them done. Very important. Timing becomes ultra important, especially with vegetable gardens and cool season color plants. Those can't wait. Pruning can't wait. Transplanting of established plants that need to be relocated in your landscape can't wait. Because if you wait, these things start to grow. And uh, so you can't prune the peaches after they start to bud out. And you can't prune the grapes. And you can't transplant the established trees and shrubs. It's too late at that point. So that's what we're going to talk about. Plus, I'll answer any questions you might have. Let me give you the number a couple of times, and we'll establish those phone lines. 888-256-1080. 888 
256-1080. Please call right now. We have four lines open, and I'd like to see them all filled before we get the program up and running this morning. That would really help the talk show host feel better about his life, knowing that he won't have a monologue to do for an hour. Because we are live, and and my intention is to bring you useful gardening information. 888-256-1080. Let me uh, get my first break out of the way. That'd be a good way to start the program. And this is for Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Now in its fifth printing, sixth printing is on the presses. It's going to take a while because there are paper shortages. And that's why I began it early. It's going to print and sit there for a while and print and sit there for a while. That's what I have found out from the printer. But they're, they have it underway. This is your, I have the fifth printing in, in hand and I can get one to you if you don't delay, but don't run out. And if you, uh, if you order right away. Your go-to gardening reference, it's self-published, so I could have the book the way I wanted it for once in my life. It's the fifth book that I've done and the fifth printing of that book. It covers all topics of outdoor gardening for every county in the state of Texas. Lawns and landscapes, annuals, uh, perennials, fruit and vegetable gardening, the whole works, it's all covered in this book. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar that would address exactly what I talked about just a few moments ago. When do you plant, prune, excuse me, fertilize and spray all the plants in your landscape and garden? So, when you change the month from January to February, you can see all the things that are ahead of you in February, for example. And uh, you'll never have to wonder, when should I do this or when should I do that? 344 pages. It's a hardback. It's uh, printed on high-quality paper, 840 of my photographs. And it's being printed and is printed, has always been printed in San Antonio, not overseas. I wanted to keep fellow Texans employed. It's not in stores and it's not on Amazon. I sign every copy as it sells. Your satisfaction with the book is absolutely guaranteed or I'll refund every penny you spend. We uh, have sold 74,000 copies to date and I have had no requests for a refund yet. So your odds of liking this book and being satisfied are quite good, I think. It's only 36.95 plus tax and postage. The price will go up on that sixth printing, so don't delay. Just 36.95. That's the cost of a bag of fertilizer or uh, maybe a, a couple of flats of annuals. And if you do them at the wrong time, this book could have paid for itself. I think the book will pay for itself by the end of the springtime. I'll put that uh, guarantee out there for you. If you don't think it has, I'll refund your money. Order it now from neilsperry.com or by calling my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. And those, are the, uh, those are the two ways you can order it since it's not on Amazon and not uh, in stores. Again, neilsperry.com or call my office at 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. The better way, though, by far, is to order it right now at neilsperry.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. When people think of Mueller, they think of quality steel buildings. They think of durable metal roofing. But that name Mueller means so much more. It means you're going to have a product that's been manufactured by Mueller. It includes in-house engineers to help design the building of your dreams. And it means you'll have a company in business for 90 years standing behind your warranty. It also means you get tons of added value. Roofing site visits, forklift delivery, and a Mueller assurance team that's ready to help you along the way. 
And Mueller is on the cutting edge, designing and manufacturing new products like greenhouses and standing seam roofing panels. If you'd like to find out more about Mueller products, go to their website. That's MuellerInc.com. Mueller is spelled M-U-E-L-L-E-R. MuellerInc.com, or you can give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553, or stop by one of their 33 locations. That's Mueller. Mueller means more. I hope you'll think of Mueller. Mueller Greenhouses, Mueller Roofing, Mueller Buildings. Mueller means more, and I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. And again, we have two open lines now. Thank you to Cindy and Steve, both from College Station, coming right to you. The uh, open lines are 888-256-1080, as Kelly just mentioned. Cindy in College Station, you're up first. How can I help you this morning? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What's going on? Good. I have crown of thorn plants, uh, have had for many years. I know how to cut them back, but I'm not too sure of a couple of things, how long to let them dry before actually putting them in potting soil, uh, the cuttings, that is, and actually when the best, very best time of year to do that is. Okay. Let me explain to people. She's talking about crown of thorns, which is a euphorbia. Uh, it's uh, A lot of people would say, oh, that's a cactus. It's not really. It's a, it's a succulent um, that is grown uh, alongside cacti. Uh, it's actually a sister, not not even a distant relative, but a sister to uh, poinsettias. It has a, a flower. If you if you think that about poinsettia flowers, they're all yellow. Every poinsettia has a yellow bloom, and uh, the floral bracts are the red or the white things that we buy, uh, for which we buy the poinsettias. In the case of um, crown of thorns, it also will have different colors, but they're they're generally red, and they're shaped like the little yellow flowers that you see on poinsettias um crown of thorns uh, is like like poinsettias has a milky latex when you cut it and i would well, first of all you're going to have leather gloves on one hand i imagine and i would probably use a very sharp paring knife or an exacto knife or something like that to cut it uh, pruning shears might bruise it. it's been a while since i took cuttings off my crowns of thorns but uh, but I'd probably use an X-Acto knife, something very sharp, or a single-edge, now, forget the single-edge razor blade. That puts you too close to the thorns. Um, and then I would let it air dry for, just on newspaper, probably for, it, it really doesn't matter, but I'd say uh, three or four days, four, four to seven days, something like that. Um, and then I would stick it into a pot that was your regular crown of thorns potting soil, uh, diluted by maybe uh, one-third perlite, one-third more perlite. So it's really a droughty potting soil. And uh, and that that's the way I, I would do it, and I have done it many times, and it would work well. Do you have the, the standard crown of thorns, or do you have one of the giant ones? I have both. Do you? Good for you. Yes. You're, yes, you're an enthusiast yes. the as well, then. Are... <laughs> the giants are more beautiful, aren't they? Though yeah. they're spectacular, but I, I in also, their own way, in their yeah. own way, the smaller ones have just look like a pom pom, you know. Yeah, they have so many more of their of their uh, flowers, and the giant ones are just uh, regal and stately. 
Well, they're they're mm-hmm. beautiful plants. The best time to do it, I think, would be when it's warmer. I don't think things are they, they move in such slow motion right now. Where do you have it in a greenhouse or indoors? Um, on my back porch, I do a lot of moving of them this time of year, trying I'll to help them do. survive. Yeah. And some do better. Some years are better than others, uh, but nonetheless, they always come back. I mean, yeah. they're they're very forgiving uh, to the weather as well as how you treat them. <laughs> yeah, they're they're tough plants. I would I would wait until probably May or June. I think you'd have better okay. better luck then. Have you done any uh, online searching? There are a lot of different cultivars. Oh yes, sir. Isn't that fun? That's, and the yeah. the family, the uh, genus Euphorbia, Euphorbia and the Euphorbiaceae family is just such a fascinating family. It's yes. just I, I love that whole group. So good for you. And that's where that's where you get the variation of how long to let the cuttings dry before planting oh, them. I've heard sources. anything from six yeah. hours to you know a week. So, <laughs> well, what you might want to do is see where you're reading. You may be reading in uh, in in the Mojave Desert for some people, and in New Jersey for somebody else, or in New Hampshire. I was reading a, okay. a, a person and and Steve and Patsy who are waiting behind you on the on the. This is not going to turn into a lengthy discussion. I want to warn my other callers, <laughs> but I, you you got me excited on this one. I was reading something about uh, Hoyas. I don't know if you know Hoya, the wax plant. Uh, there is a gentleman up in, uh, I think, in Vermont or New Hampshire, one of the two, who is, I put it in eGardens uh, several months ago. He has scores of varieties, cultivars of Hoyas, and he raises them indoors, of course, because it's so so dark and cold up there all the time. And they bloom beautifully, and he has cataloged all these things. And, and that's the, the kind of enthusiast you know he needs to move to california he needs to move somewhere better but he's he's done it beautifully he's just done it beautifully so hats off to you cindy that's great i love this thanks Thanks. for the call yeah thanks for taking my call bye-bye absolutely call anytime let's go to steve in college station steve this is neil good morning good morning neil how are you doing i'm doing well thank you sir um my question is uh, my wife and I are looking for a fast-growing tree uh, to put a couple of them in our yard this winter, and we really just don't know where to start. I'm, I'm not a big tree guy, and I don't have a very green thumb, but uh, I thought maybe I would tap you on the shoulder and see what you might recommend. Okay. I'm going to put you through an exercise that I very frequently use when people uh, ask for a recommendation of a tree. What I'd like you to do is help me for about 30 seconds list the features that are most important to you on the tree. You said fast growth. What else matters to you? Well, what we're trying to do is primarily on the west side of my house where the sun sets because it gets so hot on that side and we have a bedroom there. So I want something that leaves out quickly that, uh, throws a lot of shade on that side of the house all right so shade's important Um, to you let me ask you some questions then and you just tell me if these are important or not uh how about uh how about good looks absolutely all right good looks Uh, how about insect and disease resistance yes that's also important all right i'm writing these down i'm going to work with it also how about uh adaptable to Brazos County? Uh, That's very important because, yeah, things don't grow here that grow in a lot of different places. All right. Um, All right, I have that. 
and that would include to the soils and the climate and the other things. I grew up in Brazos County. So right. Our yard, our soil is very uh, full of a lot of clay. Oh, I know. I had to dig it when I had my nursery as a teenager. <laughs> okay, I have enough to go with. Okay, so we have fast growth that will give good shade. So fast growth, good looks, uh, insect and disease resistant, and adaptable Brazos County. Now, what I normally do with people then is ask you to go back and rank those uh, as to what is most important. Where would you put? Uh, where would you put good looks? Well, that's going to be pretty important because it's going to be in the front of my house. My house. Where would you put insect and so. disease resistance? That's going to be probably a little bit further down the down the line. I don't so you don't care lot. if you have to spray it two or three times a summer? It may cost you $500 no, that, each that, time? That, no, that's not a problem. Really? Okay. You're the first in my life to answer that. that well, way. I'm retired now, so I have a little time on my hands. Right. But it's okay. All right. Not going to try to change your mind. Uh, and adapted to Brazos County. If it, uh, if it freezes and dies or if it uh, isn't adapted to the soil, uh, that would be yeah, important or I not important. I do want something that's hardy that's not going right. to freeze. So what, what I normally ask people to do is to think about how important is fast growth compared to those other things. And I've never had anybody willing to uh, take a tree that is prone to uh, serious insect and disease problems that may or may not well, be controllable. And, and let me well, explain. Yeah. All of the fast-growing shade trees that we have, every one to a tree – Everyone has at least one fatal flaw that will limit its life expectancy to 10 or 15 or 20 years. They all yeah. do. And uh, with spraying, you might be able to add a few years to those. But weeping willows, life expectancy, 7 or 10 years. Uh, fruitless mulberries, uh, a few years more than that. When I was growing up, I did a landscape day in high school as a freshman, and we planted live oaks, and we planted Chinese tallows before we knew they were so taboo, and we planted Arizona ash. Uh, they were brand mm-hmm. new, and they were fast-growing. And before I was out of college, uh, in, in four years, eight years, seven years, uh, the Arizona ash were already starting to die. Fruitless mulberries we planted. And my live oaks are still there on what was Jersey Street and now is George Bush Parkway. And Mm -hmm. that's the difference. You get something really worthwhile if you plant something. And they grow two-thirds as fast with almost no care. I always want people to to push fast growth aside. Your best trees for Brazos County would include the oaks. It would be uh, live oak, uh, water oak. Oh, I would like to live again where I could grow water oaks. I'm in alkaline soil now, and I can't grow them. Or willow oak. Um, Schumard red oak, burr oak, those are all very well adapted to Brazos County. Chinkapin oak, all are very well adapted to Brazos County. And then you get into, if you have a lot of room, uh, pecans, although pecans can be a little bit messy, but they're in the, in the very high ranking uh, trees. Um, mm-hmm. Chinese pistachio is very good. Uh, these are all grade A trees. Slow growing trees would be magnolias, but they're a plus trees are they are slow um, then you step way down and you get to the grade c and d trees and that's where you get the fast growing trees and and life expectancy is what costs them mm-hmm. they're high maintenance 
they're expensive, there's a lot of pruning to do because they're always having limb breakage or this or that. Right. Stay away from ornamental pears. Stay, I, you, you name a fast-growing tree, and I'll tell you the two or three major flaws it has. Right. So anyway, that's that. I, I spent extra time on that answer because everybody asks that, and the older we get, the more the more important fast growth is to us. And and then when we begin to think about it, the more we realize I want to plant a legacy tree, not a not a problem for the next homeowner. So anyway, that makes sense. Well, really, I really appreciate your input. You've given me some stuff to think about that I I think I need to rethink this a little bit. If you will spend a more, if you'll spend more money, Steve, on one of these high-quality trees, and uh, get it a little bigger, and then take the same care of it that these other trees would demand because they're they're whining all the time. These fast ones, it will grow sure. two-thirds as fast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You'll be happy. Well, you'll be if, you'll be glad I gave I, you that I, advice. Yes, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Have a great day. Patsy yep, and Abilene, you're coming up next, and I will help you best I can with sapsuckers. They're amazing birds, and we'll talk about them. All right, folks, that will be, uh, that's the only call I have ahead of you. If you want to call right now, I'd love to see your name go up on the call screen, 888-256-1080. Please do call right now, 888-256-1080. Neil Sperry's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter. It comes from my computer directly to your email, and it goes out on Thursday evenings, just a little after 7 p.m. Uh, Try that again, a little after 6 p.m., and um, it is, uh, it's always, always has five stories. One of the stories will always be a featured plant of the week. This week, it was probably the least important plant I've ever featured, and that was Devil's Backbone. But I love that plant. I have since I was a kid with a greenhouse, and I just said, you know what? It's, it's time. It needs to be featured, so I did. And uh, next week, it'll be something a lot more important because that was that was the least important. And so it'll be fun. I love writing eGardens. I spent about a day, day and a half a week working on eGardens. One of the features always is a featured question of the week, something I've been asked repeatedly. And I can tell you right now what it's going to be for next week uh, because I have seen it and been asked about it about four times already just in the last two days. Um then you always have gardening this weekend where I point out the most important things for you to get done. And then a couple of other stories. Neil Sperry's eGardens. If you want to see what it looks like, if you want to see what Devil's Backbone looks like, you can see this past Thursday, 36 hours ago, you can see what eGardens looked like on Thursday when we sent it out. Go to the place where you sign up for it. That's neilsperry.com. Same place you go to buy my book. That's N E I L. S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. Click on eGardens. You can sign up there. It's free and always will be, and I'll never spam you. I certainly don't give or sell your email address to anybody ever. That's at neilsperry.com. Click on eGardens. Sign up. Take a look at the most recent one. I think you'll like it. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. And we go back to the phone lines. We have uh, we have a line open. If you'd like to take it, grab it now, and I can get to you before the program's over. I can't say that too much longer. That phone number is 888-256-1080. Simple as that, 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. And we go now to Abilene, and this is Patsy. Patsy, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have 
two live oak trees in our front yard, and they're about 40 years old and beautiful, but we have yellow-bellied sapsuckers that are putting all kinds of holes all the way around the trunk and the limbs. What can we do to, or is this, it seems like it looks like bad damage, but... On, on big old live oaks and pecans, Patsy, it normally is not uh, anything to worry about, not anything. I have it on, on both of those trees in my landscape. I have some live oaks that I planted, and I, have, I live in a pecan forest, and they, are, they look like Machine Gun Kelly came through and just yeah. shot yeah. up all the tree trunks. That's not yeah. a problem. Where I have a problem in my landscape is a couple of uh, tree form hollies that I have planted. They love to go after the hollies also, and that's the only time I've ever had problems that caused me concern. And in those cases, I wrapped the trunks of the hollies. Uh, I bought some tree tangle foot. That's a sticky product you can put on tree trunks to discourage birds, but I never actually applied it. I, the, the paper tree wrap worked on my hollies. But I don't think you have anything to worry about on your, on your uh, live oaks. I really wouldn't be concerned. Okay, even though it looks really bad. I have never seen them. I've, I've seen thousands of trees that were affected by woodpeckers and sapsuckers. Folks, what happens, this is the way you can distinguish. Uh, when you have a woodpecker or sapsucker, they're related. When you see their, and I'll put this in air quotes, uh, damage, when you see their uh, work on the trunk of a tree, it will be in rows parallel to the ground. They work uh, yeah. across the trunk of the tree like a machine gun, strafe the tree. And as opposed to borers in the trunk of a tree, which will have holes, individual holes, sprinkled, scattered all over at various levels. And that would be a concern to me if I saw that. But when I see the rows of holes in live oaks and uh, and, and pecans especially, I, uh, both of those, I don't worry in the least Um if you if you want to use a can of spray paint uh, of the uh, of the aerosol uh, uh, spray sealant, you could do that. Um, it's not terribly noticeable. Uh, it's it, none of this is necessary though. You don't have to worry about it. the tree will heal. They are sucking the sap. They come back and feed on the sap later, and uh, they don't indicate any kind of a problem. They don't cause any kind of a problem. The only time that you have to worry is when they go after a smaller tree and they take all of the bark off, like somebody really did girdle the tree and, and just just took all of the bark around the trunk at some point. But they'll never do that on a big tree like you're talking about. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I promise. I promise. Okay. Had a girl. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Let me go to Jim in Tucson, Arizona. Jim, this is Neil. Good morning. Well, good morning. Um, I've got a question um, about your book. I've got a daughter up in Minnesota, and she loves plants. And uh, matter of fact, if you go to your to her apartment, you'd think you're in an arboretum. Oh wow! But at that latitude, uh, is there any? Could she use your book for plants that far north? No, I. Okay. She would. She would. Number one, be very disappointed, and number two, be very frustrated, because uh, they're probably when when I, I grew up in College Station, Texas, where Texas A and M is. I don't know if you are that familiar with Texas. And when I, I do. I, 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 when I transferred as a junior from A and M to Ohio State, 
Um, and then subsequently we got married and I wanted to landscape my home, uh, our mobile home uh, while I was in graduate school with, uh, with plants. I use things from Texas. I, I still wasn't that confident of the plants in the North and I had taken all my plant material courses at A&M and they transferred and that was the worst mistake I ever made because I would have been a much better Northern horticulturist. Uh, had I taken, <laughs> been forced to take plant materials up there, and uh, yeah. and so it's it's just such a different world. And then if you had gone from Ohio to Minnesota, it's another world entirely. There, I've been to Minnesota yeah. several times, and and I don't even know my way around. It's just I don't know what the plants are. So the horticulturists wow. that I admire the most in in my career are those who move from north to south and work in botanic gardens. There are several of them, and uh, sometime I could name the, the, the people, and they are absolutely brilliant. One of them was uh, on, I did my master's at Ohio State also, and Dr. Michael Durr, D-I-R-R, was there. He got his, master, his uh, PhD at the University of Illinois, and then Mike went to uh, the University of Georgia and ran their botanic garden there. And did a lot of plant introduction of crepe myrtles and live oaks. And he didn't know those plants from the north. He, he is brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm talking about. I couldn't have done that. So no, the the book is not for Minnesota. I appreciate your asking. I've got a question. Another question. Yeah. Uh, because of her her love of plants, mm-hmm. uh, she hasn't degreed out yet in school. Uh, she's in her twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what degree would she pursue? It depends on what she wants to do. Uh, horticulture is such a broad field that that she'd want to she'd want to decide what she plans to do. Okay, so she'd have you to know, look into the very best, absolutely. If she wants to be a greenhouse grower, then then she'd go into floriculture. That was what I thought I was going to do. That was my undergraduate degree, and then uh, when I came back from Colorado State, and we got engaged, and I just got lonesome out there and came back and got my master's i had to go into ornamental horticulture there were no assistantships in in the floriculture okay. I, I pictured myself being a, a very successful greenhouse grower you see how far that got me um but she needs to decide what she wants to do but let me give you an example of the breadth of this uh, some of the most successful people in in my industry are the sales people and they may have a business degree and they just happen oh. to enjoy horticulture, but they are great sales and marketing people. And so there's mm-hmm. an entirely different field that comes into horticulture from that angle. I don't know what she's doing right now. I, I'm not prying, but what she's doing to exist right now and make a living. Uh, and, and so if she happened to be working at an ad agency, then, hey, there, I just I just struck gold on that one. So that's how she has to do it. I had no idea uh, that I was going to go into writing and broadcasting in college. I had absolutely no journalism class in college, no no broadcasting class in college. If I had, I would have That's taken those. If I, but I went yeah. to the extension service and fell into this work. I've done it for forty five years now. So you kind of, well, you know, she can, if she can plan that, then then that'll be a head start for. Her. Well, I told her I told her about you. Uh, I found, I, you know, I, I uh, found out about you. I was listening to KUYS uh, mm-hmm. on the Internet, and that's where I picked you up on Saturday mornings. Now you're part of my, my Saturday mornings, but I told Thank her you. about you and um, uh, told her to listen in on you. And uh, 
And uh, but that's I'd be nice happy to, know to help any way I could. I'd be happy to help her any way I could. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Enjoy, I'm, I'm rooting for Enjoy your I'm weekend, rooting. and thank you for your time today, Neil. Oh, absolutely. It was fun. Thank you. All right, Jim in College Station, another Jim, and Ron in Corpus Christi. I'll get right to you. I'm going to do a quick version of my book ad, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. It is Lone Star Gardening. It would go into southern Oklahoma. That's as far north as I want to promise anything. I mean, if you if you write a book that is written for Amarillo, then certainly it will go, and this one is, it will go into Oklahoma and it'll go into uh, eastern New Mexico, et cetera. But it's Lone Star Gardening. It has maps all through it that refer to the state of Texas. It's your go-to gardening reference. I self-published it because I'd worked on uh, with committees of uh, the other book, uh, Complete Guide to Texas Gardening, and two other books that I've written, and I just didn't want the committee life anymore. I wanted Carolyn Skye to be my editor and Cindy Smith to be my graphic designer. 840 photographs, 344 pages, a hardback, and uh, it is not in stores and not on Amazon. It covers every aspect of outdoor gardening for every county in the state of Texas. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar, four pages per month, telling you what needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and sprayed in your area uh, in each, uh, each month of the year. All that information. That's why I can say to you, this book will pay for itself by the end of this growing season, this spring, if you'll just invest the thirty-six ninety-five in it. If you don't think it has, I'll buy it back from you. No questions asked. 74,000 copies sold, not one request for a refund. So I think it must, uh, must, be, must be a success that way. So here are the two ways you can order it. It's not in stores, not on Amazon. It's on my website. And it's available through my office. The website is neilsperry.com. The office phone number is 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. And the website is n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y.com. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, let's go to Jim in College Station. Jim, this is Neil. Thanks for waiting. How can I help you? Good morning, Neil. I have two large crepe myrtles in my front yard in a separate flower bed away from the house. Uh, both have become too tall and too gangly. One did not even produce flowers this year. And I've heard you mention cutting them off at the ground to let them restart. I wanted to give them one last chance before I remove them. When would be a good time to cut them off at the ground? They've got probably seven trunks each of three inches each. All right. Let me, tell that, what we're, let me tell people why I have said that. Uh, my my uh, comment has always been we should never, ever, in any circumstances, top crepe myrtles because it, it's a barbaric act that ruins their shape and i don't want to go into any I'm, I'm short on time don't want to spend time explaining why all that is is true uh, but if a crepe myrtle has been topped or if it has been hurt badly by cold like they were last year in in some cases then what we can do to restore them is cut them flush with the ground an inch above the ground no more than that and then retrain the, the sprouts that come up. There'll be 30 or 40 sprouts that'll come up. Then we have to uh, decide which. Uh, our, our first step will be to leave about seven or 10 of them 
and then eventually thin it down to three or five. You want an odd number, and those will be the final trunks that you'll leave. And within two years, you can have a beautiful tree-formed crepe myrtle uh, when you had nothing but garbage before. Now, Jim, the one thing I'm going to ask you is, is this in full sun? Is there a shade tree that caused them to get lanky, or did what, what caused that lankiness? Uh, there's an oak, tr- a big oak tree between them and the house. They're in the north side of the house. If they're and in the, the shade, uh, then cutting them back is not going to help at all. They're still going to be in the shade, and they're going to get lanky again. Okay. You're going to have to decide that for us. You're you're the you're the captain of the team on that one. Uh, you can't overcome shade, and if it's shade that caused them to become gangly, then then uh, you need to no. take them take them out or move them, and they're probably too big to move. They've been topped off six feet above the ground before I moved there, so uh, okay. you well, can imagine. Give them one what... more chance. Give them one more chance. Cut them to the ground and, and retrain them and see how they do. i got to run, but that's that's what I would do. If you go to the website, that most of which I wrote for the Crepe Myrtle Trails of McKinney, it's called crepemyrtletrails.org, C-R-A-P-E, crepemyrtletrails.org, and, and click on the pruning part. You'll see all that I could tell you about it. I got to run though. I appreciate your call, Ron and Corpus Christi. Stay there. I'll come back to you. Uh, I'm going to do a really quick thing for my website. This is where you can find my book, uh, answers to my 1,001 frequently asked questions. Sign up for eGardens. All of that. It's neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y. dot com. Swallowed wrong. I'm sorry. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y. dot com. Seems like these days, temporary storage facilities are on every street corner, but let's do some math. For what you're paying in yearly costs for that storage room, you could own your own metal storage building right in your own backyard. That's with a Mueller Backyard Building. Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble with bolt-together design. And they're priced right. You keep your stuff at home, and you're not throwing away money by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose adding style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need. Whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, place for cars, boats, or even an RV, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller metal building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. You can see all the options at MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com, or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER to find a location near you. That's 877-268-3553. They are Mueller, they're made in America, and they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. More after this. All right. We are really short on time. Let's go to Ron in Corpus Christi. Ron, this is Neil. I have about a minute. Let me try to help. How can I help you? I think you can do, I think you can do it. Neil, I've got right. a couple areas in my yard that I just want to do a raised area. I'm in Corpus Christi clay soil, and it, I would say they'd be 8 by 10, 10 by 10 areas. want to maybe raise them up about a foot. I'm going to plant okay. some perennials or, you know, sage, you know, th- per- things of that nature. What mixture of soil do I need to somewhat try to match what I've got? Absolutely. Or what would you recommend? I would recommend you match it and taper it down gently. Don't make it come down round sharp to the, to the ground. Taper it gently. 
you want the clay so that it won't erode and, and lose the berm for you. Um, gentle is always best. And, and one thing that I see people doing wrong is they plant their big plants up on top of the berm. If you look at hills in the hill country, the big plants are down where the water flows, down the way. It'll look more natural if you have your, your, your larger plants down on the sides of the berms a little bit. Don't get them too complicated. Um, a lot of times a berm that just has ground cover and has the other things down lower looks awfully nice. Right. So think That's about good it. Advice. Good advice. Yeah. Got to run. Thank you so much, Ron. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Happy gardening.